0: In the last episode, we spoke about Insta versus reality and we went quite deep into some of the subjects. So this time it's kind of a little bit more lighthearted, shorter episode on shower thoughts.
1: Yeah. I think it's gonna be still could be deep because you know, we've been browsing the internet and getting submissions from you guys on some of the most thought-provoking shower thoughts we could find. You know, these aren't kind of like, oh yeah, I never thought about that, kind of relevant. I feel like some of these are quite quite deep and interesting. Uh so should we just get started? Absolutely. So I feel like one of the things that most people end up thinking about and, uh, you know, it's kind of on their mind a lot when they shower and when they get into bed and stuff is the idea of life and death, right? So like what happens after you die, it's kind of a spooky thought and a a kind of weird thought because obviously no one's, no one other than, you know, maybe someone who's died on the operating table and been brought back to life. No one really knows what dying feels like and can explain it and put it into words and stuff. Um... So that's kind of freaky. And I've actually, so this isn't even one I found online. This is one that I think about all the time. I feel like we could be in the kind of first generation that's in a race against time for immortality. So kind of what I may mean by this is like, I think potentially in our lifetime, scientists will figure out how to make us live forever, whether that's taking our brains and like putting it on a computer, whether that's kind of like, you know, taking our brains out of our body and giving us a brand new body, like, you know, every 50 years, 60 years, I think there'll come a time in our lifetime. I think scientists estimate that the first person to live to 200 has already been born. So I think we're kind of living every day in a race against time where hopefully one day, you know, immortality will be figured out by science and hopefully we just don't die before then.
0: Is that saying that every single person you reckon it's gonna is soon to be immortal, or do you think there's gonna be a select group of people that they oh that's they interesting test whether on. they so, test so, yeah so if you're not in that group of people, you would you would just never know.
1: But that's true. I mean, I I guess how e- it depends how easy it is. I mean, when we're you know technology is moving so fast right now. What happens if in sixty years they just they can do it very easily? They can scan your brain, see all of the connections, everything that makes your makes you you, and can replicate it again, on a computer system or they can like 3D print an identical copy of your brain or something like that. So, you know, if, you, if anything happens to you health wise, you know, I mean, maybe you ditch your body entirely and everyone lives in the metaverse.
0: Yeah, Do you know well, what I, mean? yeah well, I guess there's, there's an argument there then for what actually being immortal is because you could, you're, technically now, all of us live forever because our digital existence lives forever right so like our that's presence true. online yeah which we okay we're not like um we can't have new thoughts or mm. we're not active but technically our legacy is still there and it, it lives forever Then more so than than back in the day when you didn't have that digital footprint yeah
1: that's true i think a lot of people you know throughout human history will have pot- potentially just died and been entirely forgotten about you know yeah how long will our sort of facebook twitter youtube instagram accounts be gone uh be around sorry after we're gone that is interesting but no i I mean more like that that's an interesting one kind of it's a kind of different kind of take it's kind of like a have you ever heard the phrase you die twice once when you die when your like body dies and a second time when someone says your name for the last time so that's the kind of you know oh yeah
0: true yeah kind of interesting. Wow, that's, just kind of like yeah yeah so is in like obviously you got your grandchildren and probably their children and then almost no one would necessarily talk unless you yeah. have some insane legacy yeah
1: but i think i think going back to the idea of immortality yeah i don't mean like how long will we be you know will our presence be felt like in that sense i mean you as freddy your brain going onto a into the metaverse as you so you're generating new thoughts oh, you know okay. you just continue to exist and so like say for example me and you both live to a hundred. If one of us dies in a car crash when we're 60, we're gone forever. But if the other one lives to 80 or something and 80 is when we hit that point where we can use technology to essentially live forever, you know, regenerate Crazy. bodies, live on for that. I, I, it's something I'm always conscious of just thinking like, I really hope, cause I, I get, well, obviously as quite a lot of people do, this kind of fear of death. I think all the time, like, I really hope if it happens in my general estimated lifespan that I just live long enough to be one of these people
0: so you would really you'd really want to be one of these people
1: I think so it's a weird one isn't it the kind of idea of living forever because I think some people are like a lifetime is long enough for me but the idea of it I think freaks me out where I'd I'd at least like it to be my choice when I go rather than being like oh I'm old and that's it my life finishes do you know I mean would you want to live forever
0: I mean I think it it depends on your health right so if you were just not really fully functional and you were mm. 80, 90 years old and you couldn't really experience life as such, yeah. then it's not necessarily worth it. But if you're saying that you'll basically generate new found superpowers because you're effectively born again in the metaverse. Yeah, let's just say uh, we can transfer your consciousness yeah, into the metaverse. Transfer your you do consciousness it. and then you also have the superpowers of like feeling strong, fit, healthy, well thought like you are in your 20s 30s 40s then potentially I mean I, I think with anything when it when it's brand new and you're the first of anything and there's there's that level of unknown then it's kind of scary you, you don't really know yeah but I agree. if it's been around and the tech's been around for that long then I think it could be like a really exciting way to think of life like you just basically you're there forever and you're you're still functioning to your full capacity
1: Yeah, I guess, I mean, life couldn't really be much better if you were just in the metaverse permanently, because like, yeah, you never get sick, you never get old, you never age, you can kind of, it's almost kind of like how I guess people would imagine heaven, just living on in eternity, like being able to kind of do whatever you want. Because I mean, if you're in the metaverse, what's stopping you from having a massive mansion, you know, if it's just data on a cloud, I mean, eventually, obviously, it's not forever, forever, because I think obviously, science predicts that one day you'll have the heat, um, what is it, the heat death of the universe, where sort of like, you know, the sun burns out, all the suns burn out, everything like that. And it's sort of like you get to this kind of part where the universe burns out. Yeah, and so you
0: essentially survive until the earth exists. Until it
1: ceases to exist. Yeah, pretty much. I don't, I don't know though. Because imagine, you know, your data is deleted. There's another really interesting question that comes with that though and goes like, is it actually you? So if someone can copy every single like pathway link in your brain, and get the exact same thing and copy it onto the metaverse and put it in there. So that person is you in every sense of the word, personality-wise, memories, all that kind of stuff. And then you, your physical body, you know they put a bullet in your brain. Are you living forever? Or is that copy of you like a clone almost? Like, is it not you?
0: Yeah, that's the thing as well. I almost quite like the fact that I forget a lot of stuff that happened in my life. like honestly like I, honest, I don't want to remember absolutely everything that's true and, and I think we often as humans have selective memory anyway so we will remember the the stuff that makes us happy or brings us a lot of joy or even potentially a lot of sadness so so those extreme emotions that we feel um and that we we remember forever whereas imagine literally going into a database hand selecting whatever memory or time or period that you you want to go back to and you just could uh, click your fingers I think that's potentially too far Mm. and it's it's almost like bigger than the scope of our brain that can actually handle yeah that's true so so then you're you're actually living um as essentially as a robot rather than you don't have those human emotions or those highs and lows that you kind of reflect back on your life and think about those extreme times rather than just going back to any period of time you want.
1: It's almost like a question of, it's almost like the matrix type thing, isn't it? Like, would you rather live in a reality where there's suffering and stuff, but you know it's real or take the other pill and you know, you're in this perfect universe, but you know, you're just not aware that none of it is real. And it's like, does it even matter? You know, if yeah. you can live on the metaverse and live in a mansion and spend every day on the beach and every night skiing, does it really matter? But I think, I, I, I can't, I'm not entirely sure whether this is even what you are getting at, but you know, like as you get older, Obviously, you experience more embarrassing events, you lose more family and friends, you learn more horrible things. I feel like by the end of my life, I'm going to have so much stuff on my brain where I'm just going to be like, I'm actually ready to go because I almost can't. There's almost, you can almost take some kind of like peace from the idea that one day you're going to be dead and nothing will matter. So, you know, getting rejected by that girl, getting, losing that job, getting hate comments, anything, whatever it is in life doesn't matter that much because you're just like, well, one day I'm going to be dead and no one's going to care.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I think a lot of people live life like that as well. Like, I certainly do. If something like really embarrassing happens to me, (laughs) like I get rejected by a girl, God forbid, never happens. Um, Happens to me all the time. Then, then, yeah, you just think, oh, I'm going to die anyway. Nothing really matters. But Mm. it doesn't take away from the emotion that we feel at that time. So, you almost want to go through life with those extreme emotions, those highs and lows, and you you almost have to, you want to suffer. It's part of life. Yeah. And I think if you try to kind of simulate a perfect existence, it goes back to a question that we discussed briefly last episode is, would you be happy?
1: I guess that's a one of the main deep moral questions, isn't it? Like, why do we have bad? Is it so that we can appreciate the good? Exactly. Kind of going to a, a slightly lighter topic, but a still kind of like weird kind of thing. It's not entirely like death, but it's a little bit like it is sleeping. So, you know, when you're asleep and you're not dreaming, time kind of passes by and you're not even aware of it. I kind of imagine that's what being dead might be like. But don't you think dreams are just one of the weirdest things in general? The idea that you're kind of living out a movie, sometimes a horror movie if it's a nightmare, in real time, that your brain is like scripting whilst you're living it out and experiencing it, and that it's just like a normal thing that happens to us all the time is just wild when you really think about it
0: yeah i I literally actually prepared something for this as well where i found it so interesting that essentially one portion of your brain right creates this story and the other the other part is essentially just (laughs) witnessing the events yeah so you you're almost like watching yourself when you're dreaming and then you judge yourself afterwards when you wake up yeah and it's like it's like two parts of your brain that aren't almost working in tandem? Because also the other thing is you you could potentially um, act out or do things in your dreams that you've never done before. So how do you sense and feel those things?
1: Yeah, that's so true. It's a, it's a weird thing. I think I think I remember Googling it once and being like, what's the point in dreams? And I think it was back to the days before, you know, front doors and locks and streetlights when sort of like, you know, we'd experience a wolf chasing us. So it would like kind of keep us actively thinking about things like that. So that when it happens in real life, we're more prepared for it. So maybe it was like an evolutionary advantage for people who had nightmares. Cause they'd be like, oh, this is happening. I kind of remember this in a dream. You know, I woke up and was like, why didn't I just do this and I'll do it now. But um, have you ever heard of lucid dreaming? Yes. Have you ever done it before?
0: No, but I, I I've i spoken. I remember there was actually a guy at school that you probably- Was it Millen. yeah yeah. He. <laughs> He convinced me that it, it was a real thing. Um, but I was never able to do so. Maybe I wasn't quite intellectually ad- advanced as yourself or Milan to be able to get to those levels. But it's essentially when you where you control your your dreams, right?
1: Yeah. So I it's so fascinating. So I actually sat next to Milan in maths and he convinced me. He's I remember him sitting me down once and being like, You spend eight hours of your day, probably one third of your existence asleep and he was like and you waste it and i was like what do you mean and he was like you could be flying over mountaintops swimming in the deepest rivers you could be dating gorgeous women all this kind of stuff he was like you can do whatever you want like throughout your sleep and i ended up being like okay you know what i'll I'll entertain it and so the general idea is to be able to realize when you're in a dream and once you're in it, you can learn to control it. And so how it would work was, there'd be loads of triggers throughout the day. Um, you know, some people, whenever they remember to, whenever something weird would happen, something like that, they would check either the time, or they'd try and read something, or they'd count the number of fingers on their hands. And the point is that these things in dreams don't work. So if you try and read a paragraph in a newspaper in a dream, it jumbles, it doesn't make sense because your brain can't write something on a newspaper quickly enough. And if you try and count your fingers, this is what I used to do. If you try and count your fingers, you can't count five of them. It just looks like a weird blur of just a weird number of digits. And so throughout the day, I train myself to constantly just go, Am I dreaming? Look at my fingers, how many have I got? If I want five, I was fine. And eventually I'd be in a dream and I'd be like, How many fingers have I got? Whoa, a weird amount. Oh my goodness, I'm dreaming. And then you can learn to control it, and it's actually really hard to learn to control dreamings uh, dreams. I actually took six months to learn how to fly
0: in dreams. So you you were actually successful.
1: So yeah, I genuinely I wasn't perfect at it. I couldn't make anything happen. But the way it kind of works is once you realise you're in your dream, what tends to happen in a in a dream is what you're expecting to happen. So the way you teleport right is say you're say you're in a terrifying. You know you're in the middle of a volcano and there's a demon in front of you if you want to teleport to a beach you just imagine a beach behind you you turn around and it just is there and that's how it works in a dream because if you picture it behind you you turn around it's there and it's the same with flying if you convince yourself if you can convince yourself to jump that when you jump you're going to fly away and you feel like you're flying you will but your brain so instinctively when you jump up makes you go oh i'm going to go back down because obviously that's so instinctive you have to like train yourself to not expect yourself to fall again.
0: So you're saying you you had a few experiences where you tried to fly and you just fell.
1: Yeah, I would I would be jumping <laughs> and it'd be like I was on the moon because I'd go up, float a bit and then I'd fall back down and I'd be like, why can't I fly? And it took me ages to but, be able to get to the point where I could just jump and I would just fly and I'd sort of like Superman through the sky. But there was a good year or two, I wish I would kept it up because there was a good year or two where almost every night I would have a dream and I'd have a lucid dream. And I would have been like 15, 16, and genuinely, I would literally like, I would, sur- I, I was massively into surfing around the time. I would imagine myself in the sea with the like biggest wave impossible, like coming up behind me. Um, I would go on dates with girls. <laughs> I like imagine who? like, oh, who will, who will it have been, back in the time?
0: Because they say as well, apparently, um, if th- you if you write down what happened in your dream the night yeah. before, that helps you to then pick up on reoccurring dreams that may happen. yeah, And then you remember those instances and then you can sort of realize you're in a dream and control it to some extent. But I don't know, I just just always pass out. And I actually, I literally never remember my dreams as well.
1: So that's interesting. So a part of the thing you're supposed to do to lucid dream is write a dream journal, you're right. So like you tend to notice things that happen in your dreams more. And we tend to forget dreams a couple of seconds after they happen. But the more you write a dream journal, for some reason, the more you can remember dreams. So if every night you're writing down the dreams that you remember, a week later, you'll wake up and be like, I remember this dream and it happened. For some reason, it, it makes you remember them more. But um, I might get back into it. But generally, if you're curious, get, there's a subreddit called r slash lucid dreaming. It will teach you how to do it. And genuinely, like you can, you, can, you can live life almost exactly kind of how we were describing in the metaverse, you can live your dream life for these nights whilst you're asleep and yeah.
0: So what, what would you say was the coolest thing that you did in your dream? What was something that you just feel like it was one of the best experiences and you felt, as Milan was saying, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your, your hours when you're asleep. How do you feel like you effectively maximized I It wasn't time? productive
1: because you can't, for example, study, like you can't gain new information because everything in the world is like inside your brain. So you, you know, I I remember thinking like, oh, if I could, like study the night before an exam in my dream, ideal.
0: I tell you what, I actually remember having this conversation with you. Really? I, I literally remember saying to you in school, because you were obviously a massive nerd and you were like, <laughs> smash every subject. But I was like, uh, imagine if um, yeah, you, you didn't need to sleep so you could effectively feel the same as someone else. You'd feel um, the energy levels. Um, you'd feel like completely yourself, like well rested as if you slept for eight, nine hours, um, but you just, were awake that time. So how ahead in life you would be compared to your peers?
1: I always think that, I always think that, I still think that That now just, yeah, the kind of, especially, I mean, obviously you're, you're about to quit your job, but at the moment, don't you feel like, I definitely felt this when I was in my nine to five, like I'd wake up, go to work, come home, gym, prep dinner, eat dinner, clean up, and it would be time for bed. And but, I'd be like, I have so little time to enjoy myself. If I didn't need to sleep, and I had those extra eight hours where I could just be awake. God, you could do so much.
0: But that, um, yeah, that kind of leads, that's quite normal though, isn't it? That's just normal life for, yeah. for most people, really. Yeah. You you just pick up that daily routine and you don't really have a lot of free time. Yeah. So it kind of ties back to what we were talking about before about um, if you're could, if you were immortal, you could live forever. Imagine all the years you could get back and all the free time that you'd have. Um, after you retire like do you feel like you'd have to always contribute to society if you were living for 100 200 years or even further what happens with like say employment
1: yeah that's true well I I think you'd get to a point like say for example you could you eventually saved up enough money to buy a house and you could rent it out and that was covering the mortgage and stuff it would eventually get to the point where 25 30 years later you paid off the mortgage using the rental money and you've just got like kind of assets that are just bringing in money that would and obviously, with like compound rate, you know, like compound oh, yeah. interest calculators. Can you imagine if you live for three hundred years? Like you stick a hundred <laughs> quid in a bank, and you'd be so minted. Yeah. As long as it was outpacing inflation, which obviously isn't at the moment. But if your interest was outpacing inflation, you'd be a, you'd be a billionaire if you live forever. Because eventually, yeah. you're you just keep putting money away into savings, keep those investments growing, and even if you were fry cook, you'd you know you'd i don't know why that came to my brain that was my first ever job um, flipping burgers on Wayne kiosks kiosk in jersey but uh you know what i find interesting though i think if you went back in time and showed our ancestors the way we live today they would almost think that we're living in this perfect universe now do you know what i mean almost as if we're living a perfect dream in terms of like you know roof over our head we never have to worry about predators i mean i'm going back more than just like our grandparents even our grandparents may do, but like the fact that we're most most of us, or at least most of us in in sort of our society, at least, you know, we're well fed, we're warm, we've got a roof over our head. Like in terms of like the number of people that experience like the, the key like things you need to like survive and live a comfortable life. So many, I think, you know, of our ancestors look at this and just be like, life I can't easy, believe man. this is real. Like how much of human history has just been a struggle to survive diseases you know not dying of tooth decay when you're 40 years old you know like surviving childbirth like all these kind of like ridiculous things that like so much of our ancestors like struggled towards like we don't even think about anymore
0: yeah i think definitely now there's obviously a very low risk of death Mm. like there was like in terms of we're not going to war well we are but like we're not having to fight say on the front line Mm. like back in the world wars we're not um yeah, our healthcare is really good. We haven't got high risk of all these diseases. We've got um, well-researched scientists that are exploring vac- vaccinations and things like that to prevent diseases. So we have everything in place for like basic level happiness, they say. But I almost disagree in the sense that I feel like you could not predict, say even a few generations ago, where we're at at the moment in terms of the tech, yeah. social media. Um, these almost newfound issues i just don't think you would be able to predict back then so i even think if you were looking in now say if you lived a couple hundred years ago you wouldn't really recognize or understand anyone's issues because it's just so unrelatable and i think yeah it, obviously the the basic means in terms of shelter food health are kind of being well established and that's just kind of an expectation now but there are just just so many in terms of technology and things and advances that you just couldn't have predicted back then
1: yeah i think tech like technology now is just crazy and how fast it's gone one of the shower thoughts actually that i found that just going like 100 years ago it would just blow someone's mind that you could have this tiny little thing in your hand and if you tap it in the right sequence like your dinner will just show up at your door. Like you won't have to speak to anyone, you won't have to do anything, just like tap this bit of glass a couple of times in the right order and you can get someone to come around and clean your house or bring you dinner or, you know, you can buy something and it will arrive at your door the next day. Like so much of tech nowadays is so advanced and you almost, I mean, actually, interestingly, did you see the, it was a TikTok, I think it went around, but it was video footage of Jerusalem. I think it was Jerusalem in 1897 and they had made color footage out of it and it's so weird just thinking like now you know we we can look back in time and kind of like see what things are like but as time goes on we're still going to be able to look back in time and almost like like now you know we have to rely on historical texts and sources and stuff like everything now is so well documented it's to such a ridiculous degree in fact there's a, a crazy stat. Where was it roughly? That more data has been create, created in the last two years alone than in the previous five thousand years of humanity. Wow! If, isn't that isn't yeah, that just that, crazy? That, that is
0: mental. But I think yeah, that that ties into what we were saying earlier about we can now almost remember times that we wouldn't previously have because everything is documented. And mm. now, the potentially going forward, say future generations, there's less argument or debate. Of history or, or what what has previously happened because everything has been mapped out everything's in filmed in high definition color um obviously there's a certain level of propaganda involved but mm. yeah no um, doubt but but still everything is kind of documented more so than than uh, previous times so it's definitely less ambiguous yeah
1: you know what i find really interesting the google google earth stuff so like being able to go around yeah. google earth oh, and yeah. just sort of like you know, the fact that a car has just driven down almost every road on the planet just to take pictures and you can sort of go down. And I saw a really sad post on the internet recently actually going like, um, my father recently passed away, but on Google earth, he still sat on our porch having a cup of tea. And so sometimes they like visit the house. (laughs) Isn't that so bad? But some places in Google earth now, are even like now, like 15 years old and like, I almost went to view a, prop- uh, a property recently because I was going to move into this flat and I looked at it on Google Earth and it was just a sand pit
0: on Google Earth. Oh really? And now oh, this there, entire
1: yeah. area is skyscrapers and it's kind of like a, yeah, it's kind of weird snapshot in, in well, time, isn't it?
0: I- in those modern day cities, say for instance, London. Yeah, it's it's scary how frequently you'd have to update that because it does evolve and change so much. Yeah. But it's so funny actually now, now you say that because one of, one of our mates actually got caught on Google camera. No way. He was basically sunbathing naked in his front garden and the camera came through. And and obviously it is kind of blurred image, but if you zoom, you can clearly see it. And we, we've actually asked him and it is true. No way. Yeah.
1: He's out there naked sunbathing in his front garden. Literally,
0: yeah. So every time someone checks out his house, he's in the front garden Google Maps.
1: That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. It's almost scary how fast technology is growing these days. I mean, you know, With everything, I always think this as well. This is another one of my personal shower thoughts is, uh, you know, everyone's got these smart homes now. So, you know, you can like you can say, hey, Alexa, like turn on my lights, you know, turn the oven on, dim the lights, you know, turn on the TV, all this kind of stuff. Have you ever seen the, the Simpsons episode where they get what's the house called? It's called Ultra House 3000. So they get this really, really smart home. It's like this little red button that they can kind of talk to and it can kind of like prepare dinner and all this kind of stuff. And so it's very advanced. I mean, we're definitely heading there now, but the smart home falls in love with Marge and tries to kill Homer. Yeah, I've seen that. By throwing him in in the (laughs) like dining room garbage dispenser or something. Yeah, yeah. And it is scary. There are loads of kind of like shower thoughts online of people saying like, you know, what happens one day there's a a warrant out for your arrest and you're driving in your hands-free autopilot tesla and it locks the doors and drives you to the police station
0: yeah that i mean i I think that's one of the the scariest things for everyone in terms of automation or robotics and the advancement of that is that as soon as they become conscious and they can make their own decisions then they could literally control the whole of humanity that's when it's that, that's that's proper freaky.
1: Or even if there's just centralized, even if it's centralized before it gets there and you know, you've got the government in control of it. True, yeah. You could easily have a tyrannical government. Imagine lockdown happens and they go like, everyone must remain in your house. You can't even go in your own garden or something. And they press a button and everyone's house just locks because everyone's <laughs> got these AI things and you just can't go out. Or say for example, they're like, oh, Fred, you, you said a controversial tweet six years ago. Your fridge is only gonna give you access to water and bread well, you obviously don't keep bread in the fridge, but like, you know, your your pantries, you're not allowed access to your like fridge or freezer or your nice food or like, you know, you're only allowed to use electricity until 8 p.m. And that's part of your punishment for not being a perfect citizen. Like the second technology controls everything in your life, which is definitely the way it's going. Whoever controls that technology, whether it's the AI itself or governments or private companies who don't have your best interests at heart, could get really scary, couldn't it?
0: Yeah, because that's the thing as well. Even if you had private conversations at home, say with your girlfriend or boyfriend and your Alexa was listening or you had tech that listened to you at all times. So if you said anything remotely controversial that then someone could use against you in future, Mm. like there's nothing stopping from that happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's quite scary, isn't it? Has it ever happened to you before? So there was weirdly one time where I ripped my football boots right. So the you ever like drag the front and the like front peels down. Yeah. That happened to me. And I was like, I was, I was, I was telling one of my friends, I was like, oh, I need to get some new football boots, ASAP, like I need to check them out. Went on Google, the first suggested ad that came to me was football boots. And I hadn't typed it anywhere, my phone was locked. I had a Google Echo, or whatever it's called, Google Home in my uh in, in my living room, but I didn't say anything to any of my technology. And the first ad suggested to me was football shoes, football boots. So they were listening to that conversation. Yeah, so and that really scared me. That,
0: that, that's, that's, that's hugely relevant. Like your phone is obviously with us at all times. And then it'll come up with suggested ads, won't it? So I've had it before or where you say Google something, even on your laptop or like on a separate device. And then you've got ads on your phone that come up related to that.
1: Yeah, there's actually a, a a really funny case that happens to quite a lot of you. So if you follow YouTube creators, they kind of respond to a lot of that YouTube support and stuff. And one thing they get a lot is like, I was watching this video. Why is like um, Magic Mike topless men dancing yeah. being suggested as an ad? And they always reply like, these are smart ads. They're based on your search history and behavior online. So these people that are going like, why am I getting this kind of thing suggested to me? it's actually based on what exactly. they're searching for which is so which is hilarious but it's also kind of weird
0: it's like when i started tiktok and then you've got your mates or people around us they're going oh why are you on that it's just my literally I downloaded it it's just full of like naked women <laughs> or like people in in underwear and, and lingerie. it's just it's girls like, dancing in their yeah, bikinis yeah and it's like well no it's not for me that's just you bro <laughs> yeah.
1: that's just because that's all you watch <laughs> yeah, watching like. exactly.
0: And it, that, that that's quite telling that that's coming up
1: yeah that is so funny and actually did you ever see the story of the the amazon predicting the woman who was pregnant So Amazon started suggesting to this like family's Amazon account, like diapers, uh, milk, like whatever you call it, like artificial milk for babies and stuff. And the dad wrote a really angry email to Amazon being like, why are you suggesting that, you know, my daughter might be pregnant and stuff. She doesn't engage in any of that kind of activity. You know, you need to get your data and stuff sorted out. And about a month later, She fell pregnant and Amazon knew before she did because of, I mean, goodness knows how deep their data goes in terms of the stuff she was searching, behavior, purchasing, maybe she was buying more vitamins or maybe she was searching, why does my tummy hurt or why have I got morning sickness? And the algorithm would picked up all this data and gone, we think she's about to have a baby and be pregnant, start pushing prams and all that kind of stuff. And Amazon knew before she and her dad did that that's she was crazy. pregnant isn't that
0: crazy that's almost a positive thing though in that sense whereas imagine say the tech would help you or find out say in the extreme circumstance where you had cancer and you didn't know and you were like encouraged through your device to go get checked or go to the doctor and you may, may not have done and it, it may have developed and got worse so the, I guess there's some instances where it could genuinely save your life but I think the fact that It's spying on us at all times. And the fact that it's listening to us. I mean, I'm probably going to go on my phone after this and something's going to come up about saying how bad our podcast is. (laughs) (laughs) How we need to invest in better mics. But uh, It's just like, you can't get away from it and you can never get a break.
1: Yeah, that's true. Because like, how do you leave your phone behind? Everything's there. Like, if I don't know if you get this and I, I hate the fact that I feel it, but if I leave my phone behind... I feel constantly a bit like anxious, like, gosh, what if someone's calling me? What if there's a message saying, you know, my dad's gone into hospital and I need to like I I, I really struggle to not have my phone on me at all times because I just like I kind of am afraid of not having the kind of instant contactability. So it just always is with me. And so my data must just be must just know everything about me.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I even kind of get that break at the moment. Cause obviously I've got my last week of my corporate job and having that blocked period where you're in an office, you're working, I'm not really on my phone, um, that almost gives me a really good mental break. Whereas that's one thing I'm really conscious of, of going full time, doing kind of more content creation, social media, just being on my phone, disgusting amount. Yeah. And like not being able to set boundaries, just always refreshing things. Cause you always feel like the next not- notification is gonna come in or I'm missing out. And if you actually look back, say at your screen time, the past two hours um, that you're on it, how much has really happened or who's really contacted you that you maybe a loved one or like no you, most of the time nothing is happening like mm. we're looking at shower thoughts on reddit that's that's all we do
1: yeah it is interesting so you you know i did locked in yeah. so i did that youtube series where for two weeks straight oh, yeah. i had no access to phones and laptops and stuff first day or two it's weird it's really weird it makes you feel like you need to know but the second you you, you sort of go okay i i accepted i'm not cl- like going to be on social media. I'm not going to be having my phone on me. It is crazy. The difference it makes like to your mentality of like how you just, just like making a cup of tea and having breakfast and like just chatting to people across the table from you and not just you scrolling through Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is. It does, it does, it makes you feel a lot better. And I remember when I came out, I tried to make a conscious effort and I was like, I'm actually going to not touch social media anywhere near as much. But now I think I'm just as bad as I was probably when I first went in just because like it's almost an unavoidable, inescapable thing in life these days to just be like, you know, you've got your smartphone on you.
0: Yeah, because that's funny you say that as well, because like often if you're not on your phone, you quite easily become bored, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it means that your your days are longer. And I remember you said to me after being on the show, you were like, now I can totally understand the people who gone, big brother, I'm supposed to get me out of here. And they're like, burst into tears when they haven't seen their mum for like two weeks. Yeah. When you're watching that, you just think it's the most ridiculous thing because you're like, how, like you could easily have gone on holiday to Mexico for two weeks and not see your family and you wouldn't be upset. So why, when, why are emotions so high when you're in a show? Is it because, is it purely because you aren't able to contact them? Like you're not allowed on your phone. Do you think that's a factor?
1: I, yeah, weird. I don't know. It would be weird to do it in a, in a home scenario, it would almost make an interesting long form YouTube video. Maybe we do it someday where we just go like for a week. Maybe we just go, we're ditching social media entirely. But live normal lives, so not locked in a house, but just being like, oh, we can't really do it because it's Don't our make jobs. Any
0: money? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, making money. Well, I guess that would be the content creation. You know, True, there'd be yeah. cameras, but we just wouldn't. We'd be like, we're not allowed to check any social media. But it's becoming a big thing now. People are doing this like social media detox. A lot of people just go, I'm taking a break from social media because I can't handle it. I mean, we've been doing a podcast for a week, and we've probably got a hundred comments being like, not everyone needs a podcast, fellas. Like this is you know i knew that was
0: coming to be fair i did say that you asked me at the start you were like how do you feel i think you said if if you had comments about not everyone needs a podcast why why have you got a podcast bro but yeah we had one video yeah that went kind of viral on tiktok and every comment is pretty harsh <laughs> yeah.
1: going back to the whole whole point of like advancing technology though it's going to be interesting when the world becomes unrecognizable to us because it's an inevitability i always think i'm curious what kind of things you think we'll we'll look back on and be like i can't believe life was like that there's a couple for me i find travel like the fact that if we want to go to australia we have to spend 24 hours or whatever it is total journey is crazy to me.
0: That's true. I
1: know science says we can never travel as fast as speed of light, but at speed of light, you can travel around the world eight times a second. Did you know that? That's how fast it travels. And the fact that I think one day, maybe even our grandkids will look at us, you know, whether we'll ever discover how to teleport, maybe not. But, you know, I imagine it will be much quicker. And they'll just look at us and go like, gosh, it would have taken you an entire 24 hour commute. Or like, even if you want to get a plane to Barcelona, that's, you know, an hour flight away, two hour flight away, the fact that you have to like spend an hour or two getting to the airport, you have to wait in the airport for two or three hours and then get there and land. Like the idea of getting somewhere that's not actually that far away, taking like six hours, I think in not a long time, people will be like, that's so strange. I think our kids or grandkids could be like, I can't believe that was what life was like for you.
0: Yeah, also a side note from that, which I think could be interesting. Do you feel like, cause I was actually having a discussion with my mum about this, about how the evolution of say, how comfortable we are now with tech and being on FaceTime to our family. Because I've got cousins and stuff in Australia and we speak all the time. But do you think almost that has discouraged people from traveling because I genuinely feel like I can build an intimate connection, chat to my family, build a good relationship and speak to them every single week without having to go visit them. Like I haven't been to Australia in over a decade. And I feel like maybe back in the day or previously, I'd feel the need to travel a lot more than now
1: yeah back in the days of when you had a nokia and yeah. you sort of like if you wanted that interaction yeah maybe but you yeah it is interesting but you'd like to think that sooner or later because i I mean you're doing that because of convenience right like you don't want to spend a grand and 24 hours traveling it's just so long to see them but if it was an hour and there was a super tube that ran underground that cut through the, you know the earth's crust would you i mean i take it you'd probably do it wouldn't you yeah
0: that's what i mean so until we get to that point we're yeah. almost discouraged by the length of time, the cost. Yeah, definitely. And we, we debate whether it's worthwhile, but if you suddenly had a transportation system where it'd literally take you two hours to get to Australia, yeah, obviously I'd, I'd do it all the time.
1: And it, I, I think I, I cannot wait for the day when it, everything is quick. Cause I always think this like, I would love to live somewhere like New Zealand, where like, you know, you can ski in the mountains, you can go to the beach um, and it's warm. And like, you know, there's plenty of greenery, But like, if I wanted to move to New Zealand, I'd have to leave London behind and the hustle and bustle of the city that I love. I can't wait for the day when you can travel to all these different countries and you don't have to wait for a once in a year holiday that's going to take you a week. You can just be like, oh, it's Friday, I'm clocking off work. I'm going to spend the weekend in Australia and just go to the beach on the other side of the world. Like it it cannot come fast enough for me.
0: The thing is though, you say that and I I feel like, Everyone else would be the same. They'd be like, oh, I do it all the time, I go weekends away. But we're so lucky in the sense that we're in Europe, right? We're literally an hour or two hour flight away from all these different cities, different cultures, but we don't really do it as much as you'd think. Like I, I speak to people from say US or Australia, New Zealand, and they're like, wow, you must be so lucky that you can hop on a flight to say Vienna you go to Italy in literally a couple hours, but people don't do as much as you think they yeah, would. Yeah,
1: you would think they do. But I do think that's more, because that, it isn't just a two hour flight. It is a three hour wait at the airport, True. one hour. If, if you could rock up and it was almost like flights left like buses, you know, there was a flight every hour and you just get on whichever one first goes. So rather than having to buy a ticket and make sure you're there well in time, you just go, I'm gonna go to Barcelona. You buy a general return. You go through security and hop on the first one that's loading you know, and you don't have all of these wait hours. I reckon people would do it more often because I did it a couple of weeks ago. I went to watch Barcelona versus Real Sociedad maybe. Yeah. And they won like three nils. It was it was sick and like going to Barcelona was class. But like the, the, the journey did feel like a long journey even though it was only a one hour or two hour flight. So yeah, I think people look back at that. I think there are other things as well. Like we're really close now with me. I, I mean, I don't know how much of this kind of stuff you follow in terms of like lab-grown meat, you know, we can already kind of do it, but when is it gonna be on a macro scale? Whether maybe our kids or grandkids, I mean, obviously vegans and vegetarians will be watching this saying this now, I can't believe you used to kill animals and eat them or I can't believe you do that now. But, you know, will our kids just look at us and just go like, wow, you genuinely like brought up an animal and killed it when, you know, you can just, when we now just, you know, can create beef that's exactly the same, tastes the exact same, it's just tissue cultures, you know, but it's a beef burger, it looks and tastes and everything is the exact same, but you haven't had to kill for it. Almost like the same way we look at like Roman gladiators, the fact that they used to kill each other for entertainment. I wonder if we look at it the same way.
0: Yeah, I I kind of probably agree with that actually. It's just, again, it has to go through all those testing periods. You have to, it takes a long time for people to trust certain uh, scientific experiments or have faith in what's going on. So it's almost like, I honestly think if today, and it probably already is, the text probably already there, if they said you can literally, with the exact same nutritional profile, exact same, um, like it tastes and feel the same, you get the same experience, but the the steak that you eat was built in a lab, I still don't think people would eat it. Yeah, you'd
1: have a natural hesitancy to being like, this is new science, I I really just don't know. I think we have a natural inbuilt thing into us. Probably it's a, a trait of evolution that kind of just says like, stick with the tried and tre- tested things because you know I guess if our ancestors were like oh that's a weird looking berry I've never seen that before you're better off being like you know what maybe I'm not gonna try that until I've seen a bunch of other people eat those berries and and live do you know what I mean
0: yeah it's almost like a gut feeling that you just have and you you can't really explain it because there's clearly say the science is there mm. the evidence is there but you just feel uncomfortable eating something or uncomfortable going ahead with that just because there's that trust hasn't developed yet
1: yeah exactly yeah and I think there's obviously plenty of things like throughout history that's kind of made you go like oh actually you know people used to think this was healthy and actually it isn't and stuff and obviously science is much more advanced now you know like modern medicine goes through like rigorous testing and stuff but even then like you know I know paracetamol and ibuprofen are like very very safe the chances of you having any kind of reaction to it is like one in a million but I just don't take it unless I feel like I really, really need the painkillers just because I don't want that one in a million chance that it, you know, affects me in a negative way. And, you know, I know know that the science is there and I know that it's safe, but yeah, I think we as humans just naturally have this aversion to like brand new things where you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure.
0: Another shower thought as well for me that comes to mind, relevant to technology as well, and also dating, how you often now it's very normal to meet your partner, say on a dating app, And for our ancestors, particularly if, I feel like if I spoke to my grandparents about it, they they would think it's so strange how if you saw your potential girlfriend or boyfriend on a screen before meeting them and trusting the fact that they're a real person.
1: Yeah, that is true.
0: And an interesting stat as well, right? Is that there's a high chance if you're seeing them for the first time on a screen that you're doing so while sat on the toilet.
1: That is so <laughs> weird. That's so true because how many people like swipe on Tinder or Bumble or Just they're just on the, on the toilet?
0: I mean, it's it's links to the other thing, how we have to be preoccupied with everything at all times. So even just a simple task of waiting for a bus, sitting on a train, or being on the toilet, you're on your phone. So there's a high chance that you'd be scrolling through dating apps.
1: Wow. Yeah. Gosh, I wonder how many people out there that are married and you genuinely go like the first time I saw this person... I was on the toilet. Do you think yeah. you
0: would remember that? Or do you think it's just something that you'd erase in brain? I don't
1: know, you know. It, it is so common, you know, like out, out of my friends now, if I think the number of are in relationships that are like in dating when they go on a date, or oh, it's a hinge date, a Tinder date. But the last wedding I went to was actually a family wedding. It was my cousin and they matched on Tinder.
0: No way. Yeah. Because it is funny as well, even though it's very much accepted now and it's probably, I don't know the exact stats, but it's probably a, the highest proportion now of relationships particularly our age say 25 to 30 20 to 25 they would um probably met online but there's still some some people still get embarrassed by that and I I feel like a lot of people lie
1: yeah that's true there is something weird about it I I think it stems from the kind of original era of the internet when sort of you'd have to go on these kind of like shady dodgy chat rooms and it used to kind of you know, if you think about a guy on the early two thousands on chat rooms on the internet finding a girlfriend online, you kind of picture like kind of like basement dwelling guy who's like shopping for a Southeast Asian wife kind of th- kind of thing, like you know the stat classic cliche of like the Thai bride. And so I think there's there's kind of like a stigma. You're definitely right about like people meeting online, but it, it should just should be so much more normalized now. I mean, I, it is crazy like the difference in. Almost like in the probabilities of like, you just meeting people like, you know, back, you know, you go back a hundred years and like the number of women, my great grandfather would have run into in his life. You can run into that many women on two hours of swiping on Tinder. And, you know, for him, he'd have to go up to a girl in a bar, you know, approach the pretty girl at the bus stop and be like, you know, strike up a conversation and hope that they're interested. Whereas now you can swipe right on 200, 300 girls maybe match with half of them and just like strike up conversations you interest instantly know and i almost think relationships should be more successful now because like you can almost like the the dating pool is just narrowed but i mean there's obviously this big thing i don't know if you've heard of it like it's like an 80 20 rule or something but like the top 80 percent of most right swiped people on dating apps of women sorry only swipe right on the top 20 percent of men so like women tend to be I think a lot more picky on who they swipe right as where I think men kind of like swipe right much more like leniently.
0: Well I think the scariest thing as a man is like they just don't want to be rejected and so it now in- discourages people to do that in public and it's very low risk isn't it? True. Because you're almost shooting your shot without the risk of being rejected because you just never know if they didn't swipe yeah, right. Yeah I guess you. you
1: swipe right and you just think oh they could they couldn't yeah. like it's kind of like a Schrodinger's thing when you first swipe because you know you're not getting rejected or accepted in as you make the initial approaches you would in a bar or something yeah Yeah, yeah, it's weird and
0: I think as well going back to the point about people potentially lying or not being honest and how they met I think it leads onto that and in the sense that it's like oh you almost failed and you couldn't meet someone in person you have to result in in dating apps but it's just not the like most people now I think most people do meet online
1: yeah, because I mean, yeah, how, how, how often do you go out somewhere and you think someone like you go like that person is spot on my type? Like it's actually quite rare in, in real life to like just meet someone who's like perfectly your type. Whereas, yeah, you can go on these apps and find someone that's perfectly your type and there's 10, 15, 20 of them. So like the dating pool is so much wider. It's it's almost just like a numbers game, isn't it? It just kind of makes more sense because you can find, I guess, more you're more likely to find what you're looking for with this just like incredible. But it, it is strange. I mean. You know, I I actually I don't know what the number is in terms of like how long we've had our ancestors have gone back, male and female, and there's sort of been like battle of the sexes. But you know, you, you know, you go back to the first single cells that kind of all life forms originated from, like three and a half billion years ago. There have just been at least millions and millions and millions of years of like, you know, kind of like a very very different kind of competition in terms of like the sexes. Obviously, this is quite a heteronormative way of looking at it in terms of like male and female but like you know the majority of our ancestors just kind of like the way that they would approach women and the way that women would approach men if it happened that way around like the dating scene now is just like unrecognizable compared with how it always was and it's
0: definitely yeah strange isn't it and i think leading on to our what discussion as well it's like almost looking into the future and how will that look in say 50 100 years time will there be some sort of automated robot that hand selects your exact combat compatibility or partner that perfectly suits you and will that be a much more efficient way to go about things but then I think there's also some merit in like getting rejected or like tr- you know you that's the funny part of, of <laughs> dating and that's part of it you need to take those else.
1: yeah it almost like builds up your confidence I guess yeah. if you can just like oh I you know I tried at least but uh, that point is really interesting. Have you seen, there's a there's actually a Black Mirror episode on it. I don't know if you've seen it where it's kind of like a Tinder and you meet up and it like matches you with the perfect person. It, but it kind of tells you how long the relationship has left. Have you seen it? Oh, really? And they like start dating and it's like your relationship oh, yeah. has two months left and stuff. And it yeah. is like, at what point will technology get to the point where it can literally just like scan? Because I mean, you know, we talk about how much data there is on us, like as individuals, like how much, our phones and stuff are picking up, given they know so much about us. Yeah, how how long until AI gets involved and goes like, this person based on your personality is supposedly the perfect match? You know, it could be quite soon. It is kind of creepy, isn't it?
0: I think that, so yeah, if you got told, right, that you were getting yourself into a relationship, but the AI automated robot, whatever, said that it would last five years, would that change your mindset going into relationship like you knew absolutely it was going to end after five years
1: yeah you take things a lot less seriously wouldn't you i mean it obviously depends on what you like some people you might be like i'm not ready for i don't want to find the person i'm going to settle down with forever anyway so i'm fine with a relationship that's not going to last forever but the idea of knowing that it definitely is going to come to an end kind of would just make you treat things a bit different you know like say for example you had a really really interesting business conference but it's on the same day as your partner's birthday. If you were sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to be my wife someday, you know, you'd, you'd maybe pick your wife's birthday. But if you're like, we're going to break up in six months anyway, you know, my career is potentially forever. I'm going to go, you know, make the decision and go to work instead. Like, I feel like it could shift your priorities massively, knowing it's going to end. Yeah, There'd well, be so many times when you'd be like, what's the point?
0: Yeah, probably improve your relationship. Yeah. Because if you wait, ever got why? an argument, right? Yeah. If you ever got an argument, you knew it was going to end. And so you sort of like, didn't really see the value. It's, it's like that thing of when you know you're gonna die, just you, you don't see the point in these kind of small <laughs> arguments you have or disagreements and you kind of get over things a lot quicker.
1: I wonder if it makes things a lot worse though. Cause like, say for example, like I personally would not would never ever cheat, but I could imagine someone going out there and just being like, oh, my relationship's gonna end in three weeks. They're on a night out with their mates, male or female, I guess, or, or whatever. And, and they, they, they get approached by an absolute world and they go, well, my relationship's about to end in three weeks. I might as well just keep talking to this person who I find stunning. Curveball. Go on.
0: That was always meant to happen.
1: Well, hey, I factored that in and yes. that's why your relationship yes. ends in three weeks. Because you tell them, yeah. true. Yeah. That maybe. was always
0: going to happen three weeks before and then it was going to end.
1: Yeah, that just gets too deep though, doesn't it? Where does it end?
0: On the topic of dating, actually, and say uh, reproducing, right? There's always that awkward time frame of like, say if someone is recently pregnant and they're at an age where you're not sure whether to celebrate it <laughs> or whether it was an accident. Yeah, I know what you mean. And there's a shower thought that I recently thought of, right? Where it's like, guys could think that they just have an unbelievable pullout game. They could think that they're doing all these one night stands, sort of jack the lad types, leaving with different women. But in reality, they're just infertile.
1: That's such a good point. So they go, oh, "I've got my, I have ace pullout game because I've never gotten a girl pregnant, and I've never used." And actually, it's because they're infertile. That's so interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean that could. Ha- I mean that could happen the other way as well, I guess, in the sense that, um, I don't know, they might not be on some contraceptive pill, and feel like that they every time they they were safe yeah. and. and I think
1: no... that's a really interesting point, though. That, yeah, the other way around, because if you if you're a girl. And you kind of, you know, your period comes and you're like, yes, I'm not pregnant, but I, you know, I slept with someone. And you, and, and when it was unprotected, whether it was in a relationship or not, you like, like, oh, thank goodness I'm not pregnant. I didn't want to be. I wonder if they have a bit of a fear in them that goes yeah. like, but actually, you know, I'm celebrating so I'm not pregnant, but I wonder <laughs> if this is partly because I'm infertile.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's that moment where you're like, actually, I kind of wish I... Nah, you know, they I, won't, no, wouldn't want to be pregnant. Not want to be pregnant, but you... I honestly think if someone gets pregnant a lot of the time they would take that as an opportunity or sign to be like maybe it is time we'll work it out
1: oh true yeah I wonder
0: because it, it is like a miracle experience it's rare and so true. I think a lot of people maybe it looks from the outset that it was planned but it wasn't
1: yeah true one thing I actually find really interesting in terms of like whilst we're on the topic of like reproducing and stuff it's kind of another shower thought is uh If you're a female and you don't have a daughter, you are the first one in the history of all of your ancestors going back from apes to tetrapods, amphibians, all the way back to like the first female ancestor, however many million or billion years ago to not have a daughter. Because if you're a female and your your mum had a daughter because it's you, And her mum had a daughter because it's her. And her mum had a daughter. So there's a daughter, 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 daughter. They're all having daughters that had a daughter. And if you're a woman or a female or, you know, you're you're giving birth to not a daughter. Yeah, you're the first one in that that long line. Wow. Isn't that so weird?
0: I've actually never thought of that. Yeah. That is true. I wonder if they feel like there's any level of guilt of like breaking that chain.
1: I think most people just wouldn't think about it. You just think like, oh. Because, I mean, it's out of your control. One of the good things about us, you know. Does that
0: work the same as the other way then? With With men? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just had daughters. Your dad's dad
1: had a son. His dad had a son. Yeah, it is. It's the same the other way around. Yeah. So your dad had a dad. Yeah, they've all had sons. And
0: the interesting thing about that is that then you also lose your last name. That cycle's gone. Mm. Say, obviously, if you've got siblings, but say if you're an only child and then you only have daughters... Oh yeah. Your your last name is gone.
1: Well, that, that happened with me. It's actually quite a sad story. So like the kind of matriarch in my family is my great aunt. And she fell in love with the guy who was in World War II, I think, and he died in a spitfire accident. I think, I, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but she still got photos of them together. I think they were actually engaged. So in a house, she still got photos of them together, but she never fell in love again. And she was like, I've had my one true love. He died, that's it. I'm never gonna get married. I'm never gonna have kids and didn't have kids. And so, because she didn't have, yeah, any kids to pass on her surname, it's my second middle name, it's her surname, because oh. essentially that, you know, that, that surname. That's how would,
0: you kept the legacy of
1: Yeah, would I have would died with her, but my yeah. kids probably won't have it. So yeah, it's probably gonna, and my granddad again, my granddad on my mum's side had my mum and my aunt. So it was just two daughters. So there was no no male to pass down that oh, wow. that surname.
0: Will you not just keep that middle name now going forward, even if you had a boy or girl?
1: I don't know, because when does it stop? Like you're going to have these kind of things in the family all the time where not every surname is passed on. You end up with kids with like 50 middle names because it's all passed on. It almost ties back into the original idea of legacy where you just go like, you know, perhaps the second time she dies is when I die and my surname goes and that's the last time anyone's ever referenced her. But maybe now, which is one of the weirdest things about technology, is now the fact that I've spoken about her, you know, the she last- She still lives on. She may live on however long this podcast goes on. I mean, yes. what happens if in 10,000 years, we've just somehow kept all of this data and everyone listening, your, your profile photos, your tweets, your Instagram posts, all of this kind of content that you create. It's weird. Cause like I can see pictures of my granddad of what he was like as a kid, but my great, great grandkids after I die, will be able to go back and watch my podcasts and YouTube videos assuming that the the data is kept and be able to like fully just like have conversations with me, like parasocial conversations, but listen and be like, this is exactly what it was like. Whereas the most I can know my great grandfather in detail is this kind of green tinted black and white photo of him, you know, unless they kept journals and stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think time does obviously pass so quick. And even with all this tech, I mean, obviously social media is your job. So there is that digital footprint that you can look back on. But a lot of people won't or necessarily forget, they might forget to record their moments and record things. So it, for some people, it is still difficult to look back on what they were like or maybe to keep that legacy moving forward.
1: True, and I don't know about you, but there's so many times where I go back and delete a load of old footage because I'm like, oh, I was embarrassing back then. I was a bit, I'd hate this photo of me when I was a kid. I used to dress so nerdy and you delete it. And yeah. it's kind of
0: sad because you're deleting your own history. Exactly. I mean, you look at people's Instagram feeds now and I'm even guilty of this, I'll archive or delete photos. I'm like, oh, it's not really relevant now. But people have maybe had Instagram for eight, nine years or whatever, but they'll have about four or five photos on their profile because it's the only ones that they think they look the best in or they don't necessarily care about the memory as such.
1: Yeah, I kind of like the fact that you can archive social media posts so that, you know, they're not gone forever. But yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of come full circle, come back to sort of like, leaving a legacy time obviously gone through a lot of different things and uh before we finish i do want to i want to finish on one shower thought because actually we actually asked on our instagram story for you guys to submit some of your favorite shower thoughts so i'm going to finish on quite a cool shower thought and uh with a nice little story that i read actually i haven't Um, seen this by the way so you haven't seen this one yet no. no so um it kind of goes back i was i was actually supposed to potentially bring it up when i was talking about the uh Ottoman era Jerusalem, the footage from over a century ago, that one from 1897, how we can kind of look back in time and stuff. But um, so a guy called William Blunden, shout out William Blunden on Instagram for submitting this one. So we'll do this a lot as the podcast goes forward, get you guys to I'd suggest topics, um, you know, things for us to bring up I- individually and stuff like this, stories we've been speaking about, potentially doing one where we do life advice and stuff like that. So plenty to come, stay tuned at Fred Arthur Pod on socials. But he said you are likely in the background of many strangers' photos and will never likely see those photos. True. So with the amount of photos that get taken today and videos yeah. that get taken, how many times are you in the background and you won't actually know? And so one funny story for this, I thought we'd we'd, we'd end on this kind of like wholesome, cute story. You may have seen this on social media because I've actually seen it a couple of times and the story came to my mind because I thought of it when I heard this. But uh, have you heard of Alex and Donna Voutsinas? I'm probably butchering that. No. But um, days before their wedding, Mr. Voutenas, Alex, I don't should call him Alex, uh, was looking through childhood photos of his soon-to-be wife, you know, a few hours before the wedding. And to his surprise, he sees his dad in one of the photos. So she's there posing as a five-year-old in Disney World, Disneyland. She's there posing at the front and he spots his dad in the background. No. His dad is holding a push chair. No. He shows his dad and his dad goes... That's us. That's you in that pushchair. So twenty years before they got married, long before they met each other, they were from different countries. Wow! They actually had a photo taken where they were both five and how old were they? Oh, it doesn't actually say, but roughly the same age as two well, two kids. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's in a pushchair. Be a bit weird if he was like nineteen. But yeah, these yeah, two like wild. kids snapped from different countries, and they just they met at work randomly and. They said they always used to joke that they believed that fate brought them together because they were so perfect. But isn't that hilarious that 20 years before they're married, they were actually snapped in the same photo as each other.
0: So they found this out after they got married?
1: Hours hours before his wedding. Wow. He was looking through baby photos of, of of his wife. Great story to finish on. So yeah, Amazing. thanks for that submission. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. I just wanted to end on that cute little story. But um, yeah, get following at Fred Ar- Arthur Pod so you can get involved in future ones. Hope you enjoyed this. We'll put some clips up on the clips channels and uh, yeah, thanks for watching.
0: Thank you very much.